Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. At the start of another week, the championship celebrations are going to continue on this show. That's for damn sure. But of course, as is the nature of basketball, we've got the NBA draft a few days away here. We've got Olympic action and some Bucks players playing over in Tokyo right now as well. So we're going to wrap all that up while we continue to talk about the Bucks being NBA champions. But I do have to remind you guys of our live NBA draft show. The Locked On NBA draft host, Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host, John Corrales, will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29 at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Now, joining me, I wasn't able to get a hold of him last week. Part of that was because I was a little bitty, a little bit busy. Part of it was because Justin was—I I don't know what he was doing. He was—he was part of the parade. He was—he was at Game Six. He was doing all sorts of stuff from the Bucks Radio Network. Had the privilege of sitting in very close proximity to Ted Davis, finally calling a Bucks NBA championship in Game Six. It's Justin Garcia. What's going on, man? How's the last few days been? <laughs> um man it's been a it's been a weird week where uh i mean really starting with tuesday it's all uh it's been a blur in a good way where you still can't really believe all of this happened but uh yeah last week it just felt like after tuesday night all the days kind of bled into each other yeah that makes sense to me and i will say this uh, i mentioned the other day we did have a couple of listeners asking about draft previews and off-season <laughs> previews and all that sort of stuff um, we are going to get to that later this week. So what we've got, Justin today, Eric Name is joining us tomorrow. I think it's going to be me, Eric, and Frank. So, so that'll bring back some memories for some people. We're going to chat to Eric. At some point, we are going to get to the draft and then move ahead. So for those that are hanging out for that, keep an eye out. It will be on your feed, but it's it's going to be busy. It's good. We've got a ridiculous few days coming up here. So We've discussed the game six in general and people with people that were in the arena and all sorts of stuff. Uh, what's what's the mood in, in the radio booth, uh, in the direct post-match? Uh, what was the scene? Set, set the scene for the listeners here. It was, uh, it was kind of similar to game six against the Hawks because it, mm-hmm. it didn't... The Bucks had a comfortable enough lead with the amount of time that was left on the clock that you could brace yourself and knew it was happening. And uh, as that was starting to happen on, on Tuesday for game six of the finals, you uh, were still kind of in disbelief that um, there's a couple of instances where uh, the four of us, Ted, Dennis Krause, myself, and our engineer Ryan, were just kind of looking at the clock and seeing they're up eight and there's 30 seconds. They're, they're going to win this. And you just, it still, it took a while to sink in. And when you heard Ted's call, it was, 
official that the Bucks had won a championship, but it was still for everything that, uh, you know, Ted obviously with his, uh, what, 30 years basically of, of being a part of this. And that basically extends through my fandom from growing up in the area to, to see where this team was in the Bradley Center era in the 90s and, you know, even the last two years where it felt like this is a really good chance to be a championship team and then it just doesn't go your way. Um, I think all of that made this even better that having to experience falling short against the Raptors, having to experience what it was like in the bubble and just knowing, okay, it's not your turn yet and having to wait and constantly waiting and wondering, will this ever happen to this franchise? It made watching the clock tick to zero feel even better. And I I said this with, with somebody else too. Um, But in in a weird way, when you see a team like the Bucks win a championship, Number one, it it shows you just how important failure is in sports and life that the Bucks, in all likelihood, don't win the title if they don't experience that failure. I mean, Bud probably doesn't change some of the things he did as a coach. They don't go out and make the Drew Holiday trade, that you need those failures to learn from and to push you to the next level. But to me, too, it, it weirdly retroactively made me feel better for the Raptors two years ago where, you know, now you just want the teams like the Kings – and uh, franchises that have Timberwolves that have been long suffering and have kind of been on the same path as the Bucks were in the 90s. Now you've, you've gotten yours and you want to keep winning, but now it's, man, now I know how the Raptors really felt two years ago when they came back and won four in a row after falling short in the playoffs all those years and to finally get a championship. And now I just want other fan bases to experience this because just of how special that felt as soon as you realized our team won the championship. So the one thing I'll say on the Raptors, and I've been pretty consistent on this over the last couple of years, one of the most bizarre things that I see on Twitter very regularly is the obsession that the Raptors fans seem to have with the Bucks. And I've always said this. I've said, well, the Raptors beat Milwaukee. So why are the Raptors fans the ones obsessed with Milwaukee even though they won the title? Like there's no reason for those fans to give a shit about Milwaukee but it is interesting now when I look at it and I compare the two franchises because these fan bases should feel, feel very similar. There was a little bit of luck involved in winning the championship when you look at injuries and, hey, one particular moment. For the Raptors, there was 27 bounces on the rim and then the ball goes down in a game seven for Kawhi Leonard. For the Bucks, it was Kevin Durant's shoe. But both teams advance, and neither fan base should give a shit how they won the title. I've always been very consistent with that. So I would say the only thing that's different between the Raptors and the Bucks is the fact that uh, the Raptors star left straight away as soon as they won the title. And then the other comparison would be that the Raptors fans were desperate to get Giannis, and they didn't get him because he stayed in Milwaukee even though he didn't have the title. And then they went and won the whole damn thing. So that's the only thing I would say is a little bit different. So maybe now Raptors fans can, can continue to be a little bit salty now that uh, both teams have a championship here, but always been a little bit bizarre to me the way the Raptors fans have been uh, very uh, angry about the Bucks, even though they beat them in 2019. But I, I, I sort of agree with your point that it did force them to change and losing was the, I guess, the catalyst for, I think, the It's attitude. not fun at the time. It no, is, no. It, it is the opposite of it, yeah. And, I, and I th- so I think there's two parts to this. I think for the team, from the team point of view, from the franchise point of view, the losing was the catalyst for the attitude this year that I really do think led to that championship mentality that helped them win the title. 
But as far as the fans go, I think it's also sweet because, look, there's there's optimists out there and people will say, well, Kane, you're an optimist. And I would say I was an optimist this year in general that I thought that this team, and I was consistent with this, I thought this team was better placed to have success in the postseason. But I think once you saw those losing seasons, and sure, 2019 felt like an absolute missed opportunity. Um, I, I My... My hope that the, the team was going to win a title was probably lower this year than it had been in previous years, even though I thought that the squad was more prepared. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat where I felt like they made a lot of the necessary changes. And, and obviously, we had high expectations for Drew Holiday. And you know, we talked about this before the year, too, that it, it was funny to me just to hear how much the goalposts moved that the last two years the Bucks and their fans would point to the depth and Bucks detractors would say, well, who cares? You, you can only play five guys at a time. And when you get to the playoffs, you're only going to play eight. So it doesn't matter how deep you are. And then this year, the Bucks take that same approach and it's, man, look at the starting five. And that same group of people were telling you, yeah, but the, they have no depth. Who's going to play off the bench? So it just felt like the, the deck was stacked against you in terms of Bucks believers. And that's understandable. But I, I felt like you know, this is probably their best team in terms of the talent in the starting five for their chance at a championship. But then you looked at Kevin Durant is back and Kyrie. And then once they traded for James Harden, you know, it, it may have been you and I talking about this too, going into the playoffs. I think all of those things helped this team that the last two years, they were the team that was going into the playoffs as the number one seed and with the target on their back. And as soon as the Nets got James Harden, that's off the table. And the way that Philadelphia played, it's those two teams that are getting all the attention. So we just saw this team perform much better as the underdog and with their backs against the wall that I think that was the most uncertainty in this playoff run outside of going into game seven against Brooklyn felt like it was going into game six against the Suns where it was the Bucks have a great chance to close out and win a championship. But this feels like the spot where this team has fallen short every single time and the potential for going back to Phoenix in a tie series for game seven, that this team just responded better when things weren't going in their favor. And I think part of that, it, it started going into the playoffs where you're the three seed and you know the attention is going to go to the other two teams in the East. And, and that just seemed to put this team at ease more. And I think that was a big boost to them. And you know, some of the things we talked about too on this show about it it sounds crazy to say, but it really feels like outside of that Heat series and the, the Hawks series, obviously, but, you know, your two big series against the Nets and here against the Suns, it really felt like being the team that didn't have home court was beneficial because, you know, as long as you get your two at home, that's the most important thing. If you can steal one of the, the two road games to start the series, great. But it just felt like the way those series shook out that this is a team we saw get better throughout each series as they progressed. So it was, hey, if we win our two home games to tie the series, great. It's a best of three. And now we kind of had the momentum and feel like we've started to figure things out. Yeah, I mentioned this with Camille the other day. It was absolutely imperative that this team looked as awful as possible in game ones. I guess that was the rule. I guess it panned out for them as the series went on. But yeah, very bizarre to think that perhaps if they had home court. And I, I remember I floated this with you before the Brooklyn series and said, maybe not having home court will help them. Now, of course, it's still a ridiculous thing to say, but it does allow you to, to lay a bit of an egg at the start of the series with the Bucks team that not only Giannis, but Bud, everyone seems to really need that time to, to really iron things out. Um, I want to ask about your 
parade experience. And then we're going to get on to the Olympics. We had a, a couple of bucks that were in action last night with the USA and also Nigeria. So we will get to that. But I want to talk about Built Bar. Not only is Built Bar sponsoring our Locked On NBA Draft Show, but it's also sponsoring this podcast here today. Did you know that Built Bar has many delicious flavors? There is something, I'm losing my voice. There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. Uh, me and Justin certainly are. So if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're simply missing out. You can go to built.com and see everything they have to offer for you guys. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. There's only 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories are ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams of net carbs. They're amazing flavors. They're all tasty and they are all healthy. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. All right, Justin, let's get back into it here. Now, the parade. Now, I spoke to Camille the other day, and she was manning the streets, as were thousands and thousands and thousands of Bucks fans for this celebration as it continued. I'm very curious, and we haven't spoke about this at all. I'm very curious to hear about your experience, though, because, and, and I'll say this, man, like I've known you for a few years now. I met you, obviously, when I first moved to Milwaukee back in 2017, uh, 2017 2018, whenever that was. And um, you, the, the opportunities that you've had over the last few years, and as you mentioned, as a, as a guy that grew up in the area and, and a Bucks fan, it's been very cool to see for sure. But the parade has to be right up there. Just run us through exactly what your involvement was in the parade and anything crazy, silly behind the scenes, anything that you saw, because um, it was very, very fun for me to see that, that you were there. Well, I, I am not married and don't have kids, so the parade has probably <laughs> been the greatest moment of my life. But um, yeah, so I mean, it, it really, after Game 6 ended, uh, we were on the air until about, I think, one thirty or so. And then um, most of the people that I have worked with the last couple of years all made their way down onto the court. So I joined them and, and we stayed in there for a couple of hours, just kind of soaking it in and, and having a, a mini celebration. Dustin Godsey was down there with us. Uh, Nick Monroe, who I know you know, was down there. And it was just a lengthy celebration. And the next day, some of that same group had reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to be with us for the parade. So I got a chance to do that. And you know, meeting at the arena and getting to walk past the buses and seeing what it looked like and seeing the trophy out there on the court and uh, some team employees and everybody getting a chance to hold it and take pictures with it. Um, and just seeing what it felt like around that building. It was, it was just, you can't even put it into words to describe what was happening. That part of you was still almost anticipating to wake up from a dream that this team did not in fact win the championship. And you were just imagining this, but we, um, we loaded in the arena and took some buses out to Veterans Park to load everything up for the parade there and getting to sit on those buses and get police <laughs> escorts out there and everybody waving, thinking you're an actual player or a member <laughs> of the team. Um, I mean, that was pretty neat. But then just, you know, Herb Cole started the parade, so that was special. And as soon as we all got on there, it was myself and a bunch of, of people that I had worked with through this year on Courtside Live and some other stuff that we did on the back of one of the flatbeds and um, just 
celebrating and seeing the masses of people and, you know, being able to experience that firsthand and looking in the crowd and as many people as they were there still recognizing some people and seeing people that you knew and them seeing you like, how is he up there and a part of this? <laughs> um, you know, that was, it, it was incredible just to see how the city came together and to get a firsthand view of that. Um, and then, you know, all the way down to the stage and getting the chance to hang out in that area and, and seeing the players interact with each other off the stage and, and all the friends and family that they had brought with them and finally kind of letting their guard down that it's not like this team has been unapproachable and, you know, you've developed the relationships with these guys too, but seeing them in this mode where it's finally, okay, now we can totally relax. We accomplished the number one goal that we have, let's let loose. It was, it was, it was good. It was fun. And it was unique to see the guys in that type of mindset where it's not just, Hey, we both have jobs to do. And this is a very good team to interact with and certainly helpful, but to see them in a different light, it it was, it was special. And then we all kind of hung out on the stage after Zora had wrapped up her stuff too. And that same group that I was with, on um after game six made our way into the arena and they had kind of a mini party in there too for uh for everybody that worked with the team so it turned into a really long day and really long uh three days really from that point of tuesday night into thursday and eventually friday but you know there's there's all of it that you you tried to um just be in the moment for it that i obviously took pictures and videos but then the more you were doing that, it was, I don't want to experience this through my phone, that I just want to be able to see everything else that's happening. So it was kind of half and half, but you know, it's something that I'll never forget and I'll never be a part of anything like that again, because even if the Bucks win another title, it's number two and nothing's going to feel like this. So it, it was, it was just an incredibly special day. Yeah, no question. Uh, Again, I'm glad you got to experience that and your story in your little celebration is going to mirror a lot of those, um, fans and and I've seen uh, all sorts of shenanigans going on around the city, which is really awesome. And again, it, it's just kind of crazy how quickly this all moves on. So the Olympic basketball is rolling right now. And I'll say this, I got a, a DM from uh, someone that works at the network here and they're preparing their off season stuff. And listen, we've been there in scenarios before where we've got, we've already hit all our key off season discussions while the NBA playoffs are still rolling on. We've been there before. And I got asked the question, can you just send us three dot points or three bullet points for the Bucks' biggest needs this offseason? And I was like, oh, my God. Um, I, I don't know. I said, one, more champagne. And then two, backup point guard. And three, I don't know what I said after that. But I was just like, I, I can't really think about the offseason right now. But this is the nature of basketball. As we know, it does not stop for anything. And it was really crazy watching these guys, Jordan Wara with Nigeria, and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton with Team USA playing basketball last night. I know in the case of Middleton and Drew Holiday, they'd been in Tokyo for roughly 24 hours, I believe, give or take a few hours there. Jordan Wara, a little bit longer. He actually wasn't at the parade, which is a little bit of a shame. But also, you know, I'm sure for him, he's really, really excited to, to play and, and probably play a pretty key role. So we'll start with Jordan Wara. For those that didn't see this game, uh, Nigeria went down to Australia uh, 84 to 67. So Nigeria are in an interesting position in this group, in Group B. Uh, 
uh, in the Olympics with Italy and Germany, they're a legitimate chance to move on. I mean, I think we've all been impressed with the way Nigeria played. Obviously, they beat Team USA, and they've, they've got a bunch of NBA talent on their roster. Obviously, Jordan Warrior is one, but Josh Kogi's on this roster. Jalil Okafor is on this roster. Uh, Epe Udo, our old friend, uh, is getting minutes. KZ Okpala. Precious Achua, you can keep going through the list. Uh, Gabe Vincent. So there is, a, there is a number of NBA players on this Nigeria roster. They're really, really fun to watch. But Jordan Moore finished with 10 points. He played 23 minutes. He had four rebounds. Uh, sorry, he had three rebounds, four steals as well. He was two for six from three. He finished a really nice and one. And look, he's going to be an entertaining player to watch. And hopefully Nigeria have got more than two games remaining. I really hope they move through uh, Australia's you know, obviously the favorites of that group, but if Nigeria can finish second, they'll advance. And that would be really cool to see Jordan Wara play more basketball because he is one guy that I am fascinated to see if he can really make something of his NBA career. Now, I think obviously if he was elsewhere in the league, um, he would be getting more opportunities. There's no doubt about that. But I am, out of all the young guys, I'm most intrigued about Jordan Wara and the possibility of what he could become with this team. Well, and I think um, what also adds to the intrigue for him is, you know, we know there's probably not going to be a whole lot of changes with mm-hmm. the Bucks. That, you know, the two names, obviously Bobby Portis and P.J. Tucker is maybe they're back, maybe they're not, who knows. Um, but the injury to Dante, to me, it, it still remains to be seen how the Bucks are going to fill that void. And does it mean Pat Connaughton? moves into the starting lineup short term until Dante's able to come back or is there somebody else you're able to use the taxpayer mid-level one and, and get for the backcourt but the Pat Connaughton thing to me makes sense and then that opens up those three small ball four minutes too that Pat Connaughton was occupying off the bench and the most logical guy you would think would be Jordan Wara if he can continue to to show some of that growth that he showed as the season went on. We know he's going to be able to score at the NBA level, that it's always going to come down to the other stuff, to, to be able, as Bud always says, to make winning plays without scoring the basketball. So he's, to me, for all those reasons, the most intriguing guy, that you certainly saw the potential in his scoring ability. But when you just look at his path to minutes, to me, even more than obviously Sam Merrill, but to me, it's very clear that there is a path there with the injury to Dante DiVincenzo. And then it's just a matter of what every role player tells you of making the most of those minutes. And that's how you carve out a bigger spot. Yeah, I think it's a good point you make. The Dante injury will be one that we'll see. Obviously, that news came out and it kind of got lost amongst everything earlier on in the postseason, but certainly a longer term injury. Hopefully, he will be back early in the season, no doubt. But it would make sense with his injury history that it might be a bit of a uh, they'll, they'll be they'll be cautionary anyway when it when it comes to his return. But the thing I love about Jordan Warren, and again, this is why I have him ahead of you know Diakite and certainly Sam Merrill, is that I just think that he brings offensively a really unique style. We've seen that he's able to score off the dribble. He's got great size, and I've always been a big proponent of if you're going to take a second round pick. You, maybe you can take a project, sure. I understand the people that say that, but for a team where the Bucks are in the window, it doesn't make a lot of sense because the guy is never going to play. So you're probably best to take a more mature guy. They did that with Merrill and uh, Jordan War, and of course, Diakite is a little bit older as well. But I do think War, with his size, with his shooting ability, not just on catch-and-shoot scenarios, but off the dribble, in the mid-range, those little fadeaways that he's shown, it's a real NBA skill. So I'm at least curious with Jordan Moore to see how that plays out and whether he gets 
you know, big minutes in this Olympics or whether he comes back and, and ultimately plays in summer league as well. That would be really fun. I imagine he would be scoring a lot. If he went to summer league, it's going to be fun to watch uh, him play. So keep an eye on the Nigerian team, because I'm sure that it's not exactly, you know, the most common knowledge that he's out there. I'm sure there's some people that say, Jordan Moore played in the Olympics last night. So keep an eye out for the Nigerian team uh, over the next week or so here in group play in the Olympics. I'll talk about betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA championship odds are up for 2022. So I don't know. You can have a look. I think the Bucks are fourth favorites, third favorites, fourth favorites, somewhere around there. But you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, not just NBA, but MLB is now on the road to the postseason. NHL's in the offseason. NFL, plenty of Packers news of late. That season's not too far away. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's Bet Online, your online sports book. Team USA, Justin. Oh, boy. They've now lost three of the four games in this Olympic campaign. And really only one of them absolutely mattered. Two of them for me because Australia beat Team USA. But one of them only really matters in this Olympic play. They lose to a France team who's really good. I mean, this is a really good French team. I mean, that's, that's first of all, let's get that out of the way. I mean, they've got, again... A number of NBA players, Batum, Fournier, who was incredible with 28 points, Rudy Gobert, obviously. And uh, you can keep going down the list there. Nando Tocolo has been a star for France for a long, long time. But this was, this was awful. And, and I think the, the craziest thing about this from a Bucks point of view, and we're always going to look at these games from a Milwaukee point of view, for me, I was just absolutely staggered that Drew Holiday... And Chris Middleton were on the active roster for this game. As I said, they only just arrived with this team. They were at a parade just 48 hours earlier. But even more crazy was the fact that Drew Holiday was by far the best player for this Team USA team. So they were trailing by six after three quarters. They got outscored 25 to 11 in the third as France really, really got on top. And then it was all Drew Holiday to start the fourth. He was brewing. He was finishing at the rim. He was getting to the free throw line. He was hitting threes. He was dishing. He was defending like a maniac, as we've, we've got to see. So much so that at the end of this game, he led Team USA in minutes with 27, led them in scoring with 18. Nobody took more shots than Drew Holiday. He also added seven rebounds, four assists, and a steal as well. He was incredible. Drew Holiday was incredible. And yes, he missed a couple of threes late in this game that perhaps could have helped the USA get back on top. But listen, I I think that we can give this guy a pass maybe for feeling a little heavy-legged at the end of this game. It actually got to the point for me from a selfish point of view, from a Milwaukee point of view, and I I know there's a lot of our listeners care what happens to Team USA. I couldn't give a shit. But I was like, man, this guy is playing ridiculous minutes. Can we get this guy some rest? I don't know if I want to see him out there playing this much on the court, but I, I don't Team USA desperately need him. I um I kind of expected for him and Booker and Chris that they would basically kind of play the the minutes in the way that Chris was, where you briefly saw him and then it, it was just, you know, not really heavy minutes that these guys, as you mentioned, <laughs> arrived in Tokyo less than twenty four hours before this game. And for Team USA to basically say, okay, Drew, um, we kind of need heavy minutes here and we need you to take over for us. 
you know, I think international play is, is certainly ideal for Drew Holiday, but man, I, I remember I woke up for this game to watch it and to see, okay, you know, they've been maligned for the way that they looked in those exhibitions, but let's see what they look like once this pool play starts. And I made it through about three quarters. I mean, I'm still tired from the week <laughs> that we described, but once it got into the fourth quarter, I was, I, I can't take this anymore. I'm, I'm already falling asleep. It was about, I think it was seven o'clock our time that the game started. So I just couldn't hang on any longer and woke up a little bit later and saw the final score. And, and, you know, for all the talk of, They'll figure it out once it starts. I know it's the first game. I know France is good. I believe France is the team that, that beat them, too, in, the, um, in 2019. So mm-hmm. uh, there are those, those things to point to, but not encouraging if you are on the side of, man, this is the roster, or why are they playing this way, and who's going to be the actual point guard, and why wasn't the roster shaped this way, that – you see the challenge is of number one, the world is caught up to the United States, but also all the talking points, everyone's gone over the world's caught up. These most of the time, international teams are groupings of guys that play together throughout the year. And the U S is really behind the eight ball where they started just after the 4th of July. So Kevin Durant just wrapped up his season. You didn't have the trio that we just mentioned with the bucks and the Suns, And a lot of these guys were either just getting done in the playoffs or not too far removed. And now it's, Hey, all right, let's practice for two weeks and get over to the Olympics. But it's, it's not a team that's played together through the years. When you think about the previous iterations of this group under Jerry Colangelo, that there's at least been a lot of common threads. I think it's, it's what just uh, Kevin Durant and Draymond green that have been on the Olympic and Kevin, Kevin love that have been on the Olympics team. So it's a lot of new faces. It's a new coach. We said, there's a lot of, questions over how this roster was constructed. I'm not willing to say it's not going to be a gold medal, but you certainly weren't encouraged with the way this started. And oh, by the way, in every fourth Olympics, this team does not win the gold. And this is that fourth. So not a great start to the Olympic Games for Team USA. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Czech Republic also in the group with Team USA. So I'm with you. I mean, you'd be silly to say that this team isn't going to win gold still or can't still figure it out. But you know, to me, I mean, people can come up with all the excuses they want about the the officiating, and you hear the players all the time. Damian Lillard had some quote that, "Geez, these international guys just yeah. play better for their country," and it's like, well, I tell you why they play better for their country, Damian, because when they're playing alongside you, they're used to just playing a role because you, the superstars take over. So when they go, they're actually able to play like a team. And I look at this roster right now; none of these guys are unselfish basketball players. They're all scores. Look at them. you got Devin Booker, you got Kevin Durant, you have Zach Levine, you got Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum. None of those guys are unselfish basketball players. Now, they're stars. I'm not saying that they're not stars. I'm not saying that they can score. And based on talent alone, Team USA should win. But that's why I would expect that Drew Holiday is going to end up starting for this team. And he's going to be the guy that's going to have to play major, major minutes. Because when you look at Team USA teams in the past, most of the time they've just overwhelmed countries. And sure, the other basketball internationally has got better. I'll give you that. But there's no Jason Kidd on this team. There's no one that's willing to just facilitate and run the offense. They don't have that guy. So that's why I suspect Drew Holiday is going to play a pretty important role. But, geez, they look awful. I will say that. And we'll see. And I will say this. Chris Middleton only played the five minutes. Absolutely bricked a three. And then missed the floater as well. But he only played five minutes. I'm more than happy with that. I saw a lot of Bucks fans saying, put Middleton on. I was like, leave Middleton off. Let him rest. He's had a big few days there. So that was the way 
uh, I took that. But we're gonna we're gonna get out of here, Justin. But before we do, the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey features analysis from Chad Ford, Brian Scalabrini, Ryan McDonough, and our local Locked On NBA experts have been making selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the audio home for all your sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Justin, you got to keep catching up with some sleep, man. Maybe watch replays. Uh, I don't know. Uh, sleep in your Bucks championship gear. Who knows? But get some rest. Get some rest. The draft is in three days, four days. Yeah, and uh, before we, we go to, I should say, shouts to Bill Bar because mm. uh, that was basically what fueled me throughout the uh, oh, yeah. the whole season in playoffs with no media dining. I was mm. biting into my cherry Barcia as the Bucks were closing out the Suns <laughs> in an NBA championship, so I couldn't have done it without those guys. Yeah, Bill Bar, the official bar of uh, the U.S. track and field team, the Locked On Bucks podcast, and uh, the Bucks radio network as well. So shout out. To Built Bar. We know we uh, absolutely love those guys, but we're going to wrap it up. Like I said, Eric Name on the show tomorrow. We'll be recording with him. That'll probably end up be split up over two episodes there. I'm sure we've got lots, of, lots to catch up with Eric, who's just been doing some ridiculous work uh, over at The Athletic there. You should be subscribed if you're not already. Uh, and then we will turn our attention to the draft and then soon after, free agency and all that kind of rubbish. It's absolutely unbelievable. Keep your eye on the bucks over in Tokyo as well with The Athletic. And of course, keep it with us here on Locked On Bucks. For Justin and myself, we hope you all got through the weekend unscathed. We'll catch you guys tomorrow.